0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The
1: Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Victory Friday here on the Steve Day Show. Maybe we should just play all of our games on Thursdays. That seems to be working out pretty well so far. I am Steve Day here live and on demand, but increasingly not in demand, including here in my own studio. Alongside Todd Erzin. Good to see you, Todd. How are you?
2: I'm not going to let you get insufferable about the lions. Oh, he already ever. Is.
1: I'm, ever. I, I'm not insufferable. I'm, I'm, in, gonna... I'm, in, I'm in wonderment. I don't even know what to do.
2: One of your stop fan... talking. That's what to do. Stop talking because still, alliance. You can have your wolverines, wonderlust, whatever. But no, no, this will not happen. Well, I oh, have it's a voice.
1: <laughs> it, it is happening. Whether I believe it or you believe it or not, it's going down. <laughs> After the game last night, Amon Ross, St. Brown, going up uh, with all the Lions fans that were there to shake their hands. One Packer fan comes up and flips him off. It was hilarious. He blew him a kiss. Nice. It was very well played, I thought.
2: Actually, well done. I mean, better yeah. team one. Like I said, I was
1: watching the uh, my daughter at Razorback soccer. It ended. Uh, now, that's a flex. Listen, man, I was going to watch my favorite NFL team, but I had to go watch my double scholarship daughter playing in the SEC. So I was a little, you know, preoccupied. Well, Tell me about your silly little football game. That's a nice flex. I, I like, like it. I, I like was it.
2: looking forward to the game. And, uh, you know, last year we ended the season against each other and yeah. you beat us. And turnover, the first play I see is the tipped interception. I was like, okay, I, I've just been told the order <laughs> of things. I And I just tucked in and accepted see, it. See, it's like we've switched. I, you know how many times I've done that?
1: Hundreds, hundreds of times is the answer. Aaron McIntyre, good to see you. How are you?
3: I don't know what this was to start the show, but I'm doing okay now, I guess.
1: You know what it is? I just, I looked into the camera and I saw this Lions jersey, man, and I just, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do.
2: I looked at myself and I said, you look good, kid. (laughs)
1: This is Michael Scott. I'm with so his, bad, at kicking my own ass. Yes. Michael Scott with his favorite pair of jeans. <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice reference. And we are rejoined by an old friend. Oh, there he is. Our good buddy, Paul Alexander. Good to see you, brother. Uh, former strategist for the Tulsi Gabbard for President campaign, who I, you guys need to know even though he hasn't been here in a while because he's been very busy, we've asked him several times. He just could not make it. We have been uh, exchanging a series of snotty texts back and forth for months now. Paul and I have on various topics, but the the most important text that he sent me, my one token Democrat friend. See, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anti-Marxist. I mean, I Paul, one of my best friends is a is a Mar- is a Democrat, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> welcome back, Paul. Anyway, <laughs> right uh, um, he sent me a text this week, and he said. Steve, you're not going to believe this. I'm at a sports book in Pennsylvania, and they are offering plus 10,000 odds on Scotty Scheffler or Rory McIlroy to win the Masters next year. And I'm like, dude, you got to get me down on that. I will Venmo the money to you now. Okay. Plus 10,000. How many times did you guys hit that, Paul, before the book realized what they had done? How many times you guys hit that? about a dozen, <laughs> about a dozen. <laughs> he's like Danny DeVito and one flip hit me hit me hit me all right until they finally figured out maybe there was a typo there on their on their card the, the two best pl- uh, golfers maybe on planet earth at plus 10,000 to win the masters my golly you want to talk about great greatest bets of all time that's what? probably one of them right what? there what this is not my—was it a mistake? It had to be. Had to be.
2: Yeah, Paul,
3: if, most places are 6 or 7 to 1, yeah. or plus 600, plus 700, 100. We're talking about 100 to 1, right? There
1: was a—yes, yeah, there was a situation with, I think it was DraftKings or FanDuel a couple of years ago when they first opened up, where, where they had done something on a Jets game, I think it was, and had had uh, put an insane line, and a guy went there, took advantage of it, and won like a couple million bucks. Do you remember this, Paul? And then the, And then they tried to say afterwards, well, it was a typo. And so we're not going to pay you. And the guy was like, "Oh, I kind of think the New Jersey Gaming Commission is going to have a different take on that." And then, and the, and they were like, "You know what? You're probably right." And they cut him his check. It's your mistake, man, not ours. Mm-hmm.
4: Right. I actually never bet, and I really don't like sports gambling. I just happened to have spotted this because my my brother is much more into this, uh, and I was curious what golf futures was. Mm-hmm. So we opened that tab, and we looked at the Masters, and I pointed out. How on earth are Rory and Scotty plus ten thousand? Mm-hmm. And it was clearly a mistake because they were right next to John Rahm and they're the top three in the world right. and Rahm was plus a thousand. Yep. So we checked it out and see if it went through and it and it did multiple times before they finally flagged it and stopped printing them out.
1: Meanwhile you're just emptying your PayPal and your Venmo accounts <laughs> and all spare change in your couch <laughs> that you possibly can. All right, Speaking so, of over uh, unders, says, how many viewers we have we lost points? in the last five minutes, by the way? Uh, uh, most of them pissed off that they also could not get Scotty Scheffler at <laughs> $10,000 10, to, to win the Masters next year. Go ahead, Paul. Flo- final thought on this. I was going to
4: say, when everyone says bipartisanship is dead, Steve. There come we go. I, 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 you were the only person I reached out to that wasn't with me presently at the casino. Well,
1: just so you know. I, you know what, man? I owe you one. I'm going to be nice to you today. From this, right. from this time forward. I might even let Sounds you get the last word once or twice, if you can believe it. Okay? Wow. You probably don't, but, but I'm going to try. I'm, I'm, you guys, hold me. Todd, you have the gun. At least once, let me let Paul have the last word today. I'll right? do my best. It's the least I could do for him hooking me up with Scotty Scheffler 10,000. So. 10,
3: oh, right. I forgot to tell you before the show, he wants 30 extra seconds on the exit question for issue two. All
1: right. He'll have it. That's the least I could do for plus 10,000 on Scotty Scheffler to win the Masters next year. All let right. Let's, uh, let's get to it. It is time for the day's group. Your weekly walk. Look, see, I can't even talk. I'm so worked up now. Your weekly look at the, um, I'm Stuart, that was my Stuart Varney impersonation. (laughs) Your weekly, what, 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 what are we doing here? Your Univision!
2: (laughs) He might be the smartest amongst all of us because if I knew what what I was getting into on that thing, I'd be drunk at the
1: start of that (laughs) thing too. (laughs) Your weekly look at the week that was brought to you by our friends at AMAC. AMAC, when we ever get a new partner on the show, we want to make sure they get top billing as we welcome them aboard. You know, there's an organization out there that still backs uh, every left-wing policy that even Paul is disgusted by. Uh, and yet they claim to be bipartisan. The truth is that 90 pi- 95% of their donations last year went to Democrats, and that organization is AARP, and it doesn't represent the values of America's seniors. Fortunately, there is an American conservative alternative. Alternative That's AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. They proudly champion Americans' right to free speech, religious, religious liberty, and the Second Amendment. AMAC is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization and also defends parents. Rights to protect their children, and they're helping to restore all of your values while pushing back against the efforts to defund the police, weaken the borders, and indoctrinate the next generation with more than 2 million members nationwide. AMAC pro faith, pro family, pro freedom, but they can't do it alone. Joining gives you access to special low rates on everything from cell phones and healthcare, wellness products, travel, lodging, vision, dental, even prescription drugs. So join today, send AARP a strong message that they do not represent your values. Join AMAC instead at amac.us slash DACE. That's dot A-M-A-C, u s forward slash DACE. AMAC.US forward slash DACE. Let's begin with issue one. Bleep Lord Nefarious says. Mr. President, a vote against a standard short term funding measure is a vote against paying over a billion dollars in salary for Border Patrol and ICE agents working to track
0: down lethal fentanyl and tame. Are open borders. But how does supporting Ukraine actually support US jobs in the military
4: industrial complex? Because well, we've heard we, a lot a lot about that and I appreciate. Yeah, it as we,
0: as we
1: ship uh, weapons and ammunition to the Ukrainians, we rebuild those in many instances with more modern, uh, cutting edge uh
0: Zelensky's speech received at least a dozen standing ovations. There was also one for this man, a 98-year-old Ukrainian-Canadian who fought for Ukrainian independence against the Russians during the Second World War.
4: The Speaker was solely responsible for the invitation and recognition of this man and has wholly accepted that responsibility and stepped down. This was a mistake that has deeply embarrassed Parliament and Canada.
2: It's not an extremely deadly virus. It's not the Black Death. And look what it's doing to the world. The fact that in my career, I've been involved in saving literally millions of lives that people, hello. You can change things on a massive scale. That, um, and again, you can stop all flights. You can lock down entire countries. You can actually do that. And uh, life goes on in some way, and this, I would say, may make us more open to radical ideas about how to deal also with climate change.
3: I respect differences of opinion. I don't have too much respect for people that are misbehaving in public and then acting as if they know what's
4: right for kids.
0: But I will tell you what the president has been guilty of. He has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally, and that is the only evidence that they have brought forward. And honestly, I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child. Mosquito bites and their itch are one of nature's most annoying features. But if you're only bitten every once in a while... No, where are you really from? Uh, Cleveland? Sure, it's annoying, but it's not that big. Deal. The problem is that some people get bitten by mosquitoes a lot more than other people. I mean a lot more. And getting bit by mosquitoes every day can I multiple touch your hair? times a day. It's so can I, can I touch your it? makes you want to go ballistic on those mosquitoes. Which seems like a huge overreaction to people who only get bit every once in a while.
1: It's just a mosquito bite. Who cares? Just another angry black one.
0: So next time you think someone's overreacting, just remember. Some people experience mosquito bites all the time. You're all so exotic, wow. And by mosquito bites, we mean microaggressions.
1: That's real. How have I not seen that? that? Was a
3: professional development video for New Prague Independent School District in
1: Minnesota. Let's get to it. Paul is the guest. First question goes to you. You were most disgusted by what that you just saw?
4: Uh, That video was certainly interesting. It's uh, a little clever, I guess, in hindsight, but it was the first time I saw it as well. I'll actually go off something that wasn't included in the montage, but as always, Aaron does a great job of compiling a lot of substantive sound bites. Uh, This week is a toss-up for me, Uh, Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, repeatedly telling Jake Tapper that our southern border is, in fact, secure, while my own mayor here in New York City has issued a state of emergency because there's nowhere to house the thousands and thousands of illegal migrants flooding into the city is either a frightening disconnection from reality or just other-level gaslighting even for modern-day politics. Hmm. Tim Scott attempting to attack Nikki Haley over why she didn't return curtains has now set the bar (laughs) as our new low for this cycle's primary debates. Uh, It actually reminded me of when Kamala Harris tried attacking Elizabeth Warren over why she didn't, or why she hadn't called for Twitter to ban President Trump from the platform, and everyone in the debate audience just groaned uncomfortably. Very desperate look for Senator Scott. With that said, as much as it pains me to say this, because I've always liked Dana Perino, her attempt to literally turn the debate into the reality TV show Survivor Mm -hmm. exposed just how unserious most of our national media is when it comes to truly vetting and holding our elected leaders accountable. It may seem trivial, but I just found it disheartening and a sad reflection on the state of our politics
1: brother you you went three for three right there my friend yep, i agree completely agree with everything every, every word that you just said and and um i had forgotten about uh congresswoman presley's comments that jake tapper looked at her like i mean uh, is this interview from earth Two? I mean, what are we doing here um and and the dumbest moment i've ever seen in a debate ever is what was the hell was going on between Tim Scott uh, uh, choosing to attack Nikki Haley on uh, some provincial South Carolina matter no one knows, cares about, understands, and that that went on back and forth and back and forth. And, like and, she d- kept, and she kept engaging with him in it yeah. instead of just dismissing the entire thing. I, I mean, it was just it was the dumbest debate moment I've ever seen. And then abs- and, and, and you could make an argument what Dana Perino tried at the end of that debate. Uh, without that moment between scott and haley could have could have potentially been nominated for that so yeah i mean you went three for three there anybody want to differ with him on any of those
2: it was like family court like they were getting divorced before (laughs) your very
1: eyes what an analogy that is And, and here's the thing too again i said this yesterday these are two south carolina politicians who come from the same gene pool politically shared the exact same class of consultants and they were up there going back and forth like this was what the, this was a nominating convention for a state legislative district that was going to determine someone's future career in politics over just something ridiculously provincial that no one understood. So, again, well said on every front, Paul. Todd.
2: My good, uh, it's uh, Yuval Harari. Here's why, because Evergreen when the the three of us uh in in this studio and our earliest partners in crime stepped up in march and april of 2020 and said various versions of it's not the black death settle down let's be smart let's put our thinking caps on and think through this thing we were canceled we were demonetized uh leper colony for all you guys we are now, what, three years later? This guy admits that that was the case out loud. And, he, and the answer isn't that because of that, there, not only should there be consequences, he's like, no. And he's not—he's not wrong from a certain point of view. That means we should turn it up to eleven next time and because you've been properly conditioned. You're such yes. damn sheep. Yes, it worked better than we could have possibly dreamed, and therefore, get ready for what we have next. And everybody else is like, uh, "Can't wait to go golfing this week." I mean, honestly, this is what when we say we you, we well, deserve I did, this. Well, I did
1: get Scotty Scheffler ten thousand to one, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I,
2: thanks. To it's Paul. just an appalling appalling level of you know a republic. If you can keep it, we don't we can't keep it. We don't want it.
3: Aaron quickly, because we're uh, uh, running short on time in this uh, uh, segment. I, Mitch McConnell being asked the question, hey, uh, how does sending all of our weapons and equipment to Ukraine help the military industrial complex? Essentially what P- Mitch McConnell is saying, you've got a TV. It works just fine. But you want to upgrade to something bigger and better. So you send your TV to a friend or a buddy of yours. Uh, get that out of there and you're up that's basically what this is it's going to he's he's saying the quiet part out loud basically hey we get to upgrade our shiny toys and i get to cut a a a check to our buddies at uh, raytheon and lockheed martin that's what he said out loud he apparently took sodium pentothal because he said the uh, truth accidentally
1: exit question on a scale of one to ten with one being the odds tim scott really has a girlfriend that goes to another school and ten being the odds lindsey graham has never had a girlfriend Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Paul.
4: You know, Steve, this is the least offensive (laughs) exit question on this round (laughs) you've ever done, and I just want to say, you're growing into a fine young man, and I'm proud of you. Five.
3: (laughs) I'm like in an eight. (laughs) All right, let's get to issue two.
1: Operation Eviction.
3: Are they getting ready to kick the old man out of the White House? This week we learned, if you trust ABC News, that the investigation into Joe Biden's alleged mishandling of classified documents after his stint as vice president is much larger than previously known, with more than 100 witnesses being interviewed, some as recently as last week. We also got the absolute psyop of all psyops, with that Washington Post-ABC News poll showing Biden losing to Trump in a general election matchup by 10 points. And then there's Gavin Newsom, the California governor, who seems to be all over the media recently, even appearing in the spin room at the GOP primary debate in California this week, and who was interviewed on 60 Minutes last weekend.
0: People suggest that cleaning up California streets could be part of a larger political strategy <laughs> I, I, I for think, you. Uh, I,
1: I, I think that's table stakes. I think that's just the foundational responsibility of anyone that gets into my position. That's the day job. It's not about some grand ambition. Absolutely not.
0: Is that a yes or a no?
1: That was a a, a never-ending response to your question. So added substance to this topic with the uh, the death of uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein this morning at the age of 90. And obviously, uh, we wish condolences for her family. But Gavin Newsom is who is responsible for appointing her successor. Anybody think it's possible her successor is the vice president of the United Somebody States. Somebody mentioned that on Twitter, I find nope. that Nope.
3: This is this is my this is my prediction for the day's group. So I'm I'm gonna hold this, okay. but no, it's
1: not gonna be Kamala Harris. Okay. All right. So true or false, and Paul, this is your home team, so we're gonna start with you. The move to remove dementia Joe from the twenty twenty four Democratic ticket is now clearly and officially underway. True or false.
4: Even though I won't say it's impossible, I would need to see more evidence before buying into this fully. So I'm gonna say false. The Democratic establishment is still solidly behind Joe Biden, at least publicly. And frankly, there's no one on deck who excites the voters that he's struggling with, Steve. I know the conservative media narrative is that Biden is this far-left president, but it's actually the progressives and youth voters who are most dissatisfied with him. They are upset over student loan forgiveness, no increase to the federal minimum wage. And it's, it's the far left who disapprove of our involvement in Ukraine, not the moderates. The DNC worked very hard to prevent Bernie Sanders from becoming the nominee on two separate occasions. Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom don't excite that wing of the electorate, so I just don't see them creating that level of instability when there's no obvious alternative who solves their problem.
1: Okay, that's, hey, we you have a perspective that we don't, so we appreciate that background. Then. How would you explain the chain of events that have unfurled recently? Out of nowhere, here's a poll whose internals are garbage that uh, Trump's going to win by 10 points. Here's another poll that 60 percent of Democrats want another nominee. Uh, oh, here's an investigation. We didn't tell you what was going on. And it turns out we've got just as much sweeping misuse of classified classified documents under Joe Biden uh, as we uh, have under Donald Trump, who's under federal indictment for that in Miami as we speak. And here's Gavin Newsom uh, agreeing to debate Ron DeSantis. Quintus. Here's Gavin Newsom on 60 Minutes saying, well, you know, whether I'm going to run for president or seeking the office, it's a never ending question. That and, and now here and then suddenly, which, of course, when you're 90, you don't really ever die. Suddenly we have the death of Dianne Feinstein and and all the speculation going along with that. That that seems an awful, an awful lot of coincidences to me, Paul, but maybe I'm wrong.
4: For Gavin Newsom, I think he wants to remain ready. I don't think there's any coordination on a party level to, you know, put him in that spot necessarily. I just think he acknowledges that Joe Biden is not buying yellow bananas or green bananas, as you say. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly, he's already past the average age of male life expectancy in the United States. So, I mean, of course, it's on the table um, and he wants to be positioned as, as an obvious successor. Uh, I do have a theory on the Trump polling and I hate to go into conspiracies that I, I can't provide evidence behind, but I've been thinking about this for a while now and I don't know, it just, it, it stuck with me. So I, 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 maybe there's something to it. The polls that continue to have Trump ahead by such a wide margin, I wonder if it is to make him seem inevitable so that if he does lose, he has some credibility behind the narrative that it was rigged against him yet again and it suppresses the Republican vote in the general election for whoever actually wins. That's
1: hmm.
4: something I've thought of. It's I, I fringish, think, I think in
1: this, I think in this era you should almost put, after what we've seen the last few years, almost every psyop should be on the table, yeah. I think. Todd, what do you think?
2: It's clearly underway but is it a fate accompli uh, no i think think of this a little bit in reverse as last time i mean none of us thought i mean the voters didn't think joe biden was possible that the cast of characters that we were sorting through last time on the uh, d- democratic side of things just nobody would step up and so biden was necromanced and and then of course was a, a in, we don't know exactly what conversation took place but he's clearly willing to say and do and become anything well now this is happening again they want to see what their options are gavin are you willing to say and do and become anything i think it's abundantly clear he is who what else will people do but also what will biden do in reaction to that will he sell his soul even further i don't think this is a fait accompli but of course the table is being set for him oh. Can you even do anything more dark and ghastly and unimaginable Joe Biden? And then we'll listen to you again. So everything they are, the powers that be are setting the table for everybody to be as terrible as possible, which is what they want. And there's plenty of people are clearly going to take them up on that.
1: We're going to have tryouts, Steve. (laughs) Aaron?
3: So I do think it's underway, but it's, as Todd said, it's not a fait accompli. The Biden Biden dynasty, I should say, is older than dirt. They have dirt on everyone. They have leverage on pretty much everyone. So if there are factions in the Democrat Party that want to take him out... It's going to be a, an point. internal power struggle. Yeah. Uh, who's flinging what dirt? Who's exerting which leverage? And I think, that's, I think we're just overestimating how clean this will be because I don't think it's going to be clean whatsoever. And um, I, I do think for sure Gavin Newsom is putting him out there himself out there more and more, and I think it's clear that he wants to make a play. I just don't think it's going to be uh, a clean
1: play. All right, let's get to the exit question, since Paul requested extra time. Who is more likely to be the Democratic nominee in 2024? Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Big Mike or Gavin Newsom? Paul, you get first crack at it. Go ahead.
4: Yeah, unfortunately, I have to take back my nice sentiment from the previous exit question, because about two weeks ago, I was in the car with a handful of friends talking about New York City and they brought up Mike Bloomberg. And I, I said, oh, it finally clicked. Steve has been saying Big Mike, Big Mike, all these months. And I had no idea who you were talking about. Oh, I said, no. oh, it's Mike Bloomberg. It's a height joke because he's short. Big Mike. And then my friend looks over to me and says, no, Paul, it's not a Mike Bloomberg joke. It's a conspiracy theory that Michelle Obama is actually trans. <laughs> What are you doing to me, Steve? I already get enough crap for coming on this show, and now they think that I'm talking with someone who thinks Michelle Obama is a man. Do I have to come down there and be your standards and practices? Huh? Huh? We'll do it live. I'll write it, and we'll do it live. (laughs) This thing sucks. (laughs) And why won't Jill Savage return my calls? (laughs)
1: Who wouldn't want to date this? You know what?
3: I miss you, Paul.
1: I, we missed you. You've got a whole, like, young Billy Joel look going for you right now. You might get Jill's phone call back. You got this young—doesn't he have, like, a young Billy Joel? After that, I You got I a think, little piano man for me, maybe? Or you may be right? After that, I think Paul Alexander is most likely to be the Democrat yeah. nominee for yeah. president
2: of the United States. I mean, stand and deliver, young that, man. That
1: would win. Yes. That would win the general, but you yes. just heard. No question. All right. All right. So who do you guys think, Aaron? Same to you. Who's most do you think Biden is most likely to be the 2024 Democratic nominee? Yeah. If he makes it that long.
2: I think it's a coin flip between Biden and Newsom right now.
1: I agree with that. I, I think there is a clearly organ, organized effort within the Democratic Party to elevate Gavin Newsom. I don't know. I, I don't know that it's the party in its entirety, but some segment of, of influence within the party is is. Is orchestrating this. I, I think they probably had an idea of what the true health uh, situation of Dianne Feinstein was. You think you'd probably give the governor of the state a heads up that you might be making a sub, you know a substitution here soon, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And and so I don't think I so that's why I don't even think her death this morning is a, is is coincidental in this narrative. And that they have probably known for a few weeks maybe that this was coming and to be prepared. And so all of a sudden now here comes the gavin newsom charm offensive he's showing up at the spin room at the gop debate okay i mean i just i don't know too many things happening all at once to just think these are just random occurrences
2: charm Uh, is that what this is isn't this guy like central casting for carpathia in in left behind
1: sure (laughs) good grief they wanted to be paul you get last crack at the answer what do you think it is you still think biden is most likely going to be the nominee
4: I do still think Biden is most likely the nominee, but I also do believe Gavin Newsom would have a much easier time defeating Donald Trump if he happens to get the nomination.
1: I I think if either party in this election turns the page generationally, they're gonna win three to five points in the general election. With a from a, from some segment of the electorate just relieved at so, that notion alone, regardless of whatever those, yeah, that guy stands for, yeah. whether they're very far left like Gavin Newsom or very far right like Ron DeSantis, so, give us somebody who's not a dinosaur. You just said
2: that has the power, similar power as the Obama vote, the, yeah. the young black man, so yeah. we're going to vote. Finally,
1: no. a new generation, yeah. something different. We've had enough. Interesting. Enough. I, I do. I really believe if, if one of these, if one of the two parties can manage to change horses generationally. There's three to five points of voters out there that just want to look at something different yeah, for the next four you're years. probably right. All right, we'll come back. Is RFK Jr. thinking of going third party? We'll discuss that here in a moment.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it
1: Love getting good notes about our partners here on the show. Like this one I received from Steve, a different Steve, just a couple of weeks ago. says, hey, we, on your recommendation, we tried out Trust and Will. Very happy with the experience. Our notary said it was one of the most detailed uh, that she's ever seen. Uh, and uh, they did a great job. So thank you for that, Steve. Really appreciate it. Um, if, uh, if, if you think one size fits all templates may not capture all the important uh, details of the life you built, well, with Trust and Will... They agree. And that's why you can protect your legacy from the comfort of your home for starting at just one hundred and fifty nine dollars. We used trust and will as well to update, uh, you know, our major things involving, uh, you know, the will, the trust, estate planning and everything else for our kids. Uh, They'll help you maintain control of your assets. Uh, easing the burden on your loved ones. My wife raved about uh, their pl- the, uh, the the options, the flexibility, how easy it was uh, to utilize uh, their services as well. And you'll get an estate plan that can ensure your family stays prepared and protected. Trust and Will, they're going to simplify the process of creating and managing your will or trust online. From finding out what's right for your family to finalizing documents with a notary, gain peace of mind today. With Trust and Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your estate planning documents by visiting trustandwill.com slash DACE today. That's 10% off and free shipping at trustandwill.com slash DACE. Trustandwill.com slash DACE. All right, back here on the weekly look. That uh, do do do, do, do I'm, I'm still channeling Stuart Varney here. Back here on your weekly look at the week that was with our good friend Paul Alexander. Let's get to issue three, RFK Jr. going third party. After
3: seemingly getting featured everywhere for the first few months of his candidacy, at least everywhere in right-wing media, Democrat presidential hopeful RFK Jr. appears to be going nowhere fast in the Democrat primary. And that was probably always gonna be the case. Now, according to the New York Times, there's some chatter that Kennedy Jr. may be open to leaving his father and uncle's party and joining in with the Libertarians. RFK Jr. apparently met with the chair of the Libertarian Party back in July in a previously undisclosed meeting. Libertarian Party chair Angela McCardle told the Times, quote, he emphasized that he was committed to running as a Democrat, but said that he considered himself very libertarian, end
1: quote. Hmm. All right, this time, let's go to the guy that knows the Democratic Party better than we do last, okay? Because I want him to see what we think first, and then he can be the cleanup hitter. So, Todd, I'll start with you. First question. What do you think the odds are RFK Jr. goes third party in the general election?
2: Well, I mean, setting aside what he cares about and wants to do, you know, I don't have any inside baseball to that i tactically and looking at the lay of the land where i can be most effective what i can change I, i i think the odds are very very low i think more his his life's work at least in terms of the last 20 years now is more front and center than ever before medical tyranny and if he goes libertarian party that that just becomes he waters it down back again only because it's one of multiple issues and it i i think now he is an opportunity to just he, he got more visibility by running for president even still but then going as being part of whatever the next phase is of fighting medical tyranny being a leader bringing way more people together helping do that instead of watering it down by because he's too focused on too many other issues so I say the ads are low.
1: Okay, Aaron, you think they're low? Pretty like low. Like Todd, yeah. And okay. even if he did,
3: uh, even if he did run third party in, in the Libertarian Party, I don't think that really helps him that much. I, I think this would be another. Um, uh, where is Aleppo? What's that guy's name? Gary. What, what? What's his nuts from New Mexico? Gary Johnson, I think. Gary it was. Johnson. I haven't yeah. heard that name
1: in a, in many a moon. There's just it's the Libertarian Party
3: has a long and proud history of low name ID uh, candidates. So even though RFK Jr. has higher name ID than Gary, uh, uh, what's his nuts? I, I just don't think that helps him very much. So I think the percentage chance of him actually ditching the Democrat Party is, is very low.
1: OK. So, Paul, you've heard what the right-wingers think. What say you?
4: You know, if the national media and Democratic establishment had treated him with any level of respect, rather than very obviously attempting to smear and discredit him, I would have said next to zero. Hell, if they they just treated him like Marianne Williamson and ignored his existence, Hmm. I would have said zero. But now, what reason have they given him to be a team player? I don't know RFK Jr. I don't know if he's a, the type of person who would act out of spite and be vindictive. But just given what I've seen thus far, I would say the chances are maybe 50-50. And wow. if he did decide to run as a Libertarian or Independent, I think there would be a very good chance he asks Tulsi Gabbard to be his running mate. And I'm saying that with no inside information. I haven't spoken with Tulsi in months but I know he thinks quite highly of her. They did a Twitter spaces together and they're both very aligned when it comes to foreign policy and things like the weaponization of law enforcement.
1: Let's play around with that for just a second because the one thing the Libertarian party does have, ballot access. And the expense of achieving that in the post Ross Perot world, and what both major parties did to lock the system of ballot access down after what Ross Perot did to them in 1992 is it, it makes it more palatable for him to do this than if he did this on his own as an independent. The, they're going to have a lot of a lot of ballot access already baked into the cake. He's going to bring them and you, Aaron, you mentioned the name ID. He would bring them more name ID than they've ever had before. That's true. I don't disagree. And and I I think. What would be fascinating about this is if the if that was the Libertarian Party ticket and and we do have another screaming old boomer election with two guys whose unfavorables are way into the net negatives. I don't know that it helps either one of them. I mean, I, I could see what, what 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 you said earlier, Paul, about, um, you know, youth voters very disappointed that um, they've not gotten enough progressive economic policies on things like student loan debt. I could see them being attracted to this ticket. I could absolutely see a, a strain of right-wingers still pissed off about COVID and lockdowns and Operation Warp Speed. Yes. And, I mean I, I mean, I could see that ticket get 10%. Five from each side, you know, that, and, 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 and uh, so see. so so on one hand, they would make they would they would make a, a substantive statement of, of, of support. But I think that's possible that they would take from both sides so it wouldn't actually alter the outcome one way or the other. If, does that make sense? It does, which is why I think both both sides together would pressure. Get, uh, him as
2: much as possible in all kinds of ways that could get very very uncomfortable not to do it. They do not want that they your point about neither side knows what this would do, that would drive them nuts. Yeah. They would make his life hell because it,
1: it's a variable they can't control. Yeah.
3: Like what 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 happens, what happens if, when a billionaire w- comes in, starts a super pack and starts running non-stop commercials in battleground states for RFK Jr. in
1: October. Yeah. What, of what 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 happens if RFK Jr. and Tulsi Gabbard are a ticket and and they're running ads, and RFK Jr., even if it's not even Tulsi Gabbard as his running mate, who cares who the running mate is, if it's just him, what happens if he is on, this is his message down the stretch. We're going to forgive all the student loan de- debt from all the predator lo- le- lenders, and we're going to go after uh, all the all, big pharma and all of its liability, and uh, you know, Joe Biden betrayed you, and for all you youth voters, uh, D- Donald Trump betrayed you to big pharma. If he is just hammering that down the stretch there, there's, there's political points to score there I think for sure I just think it would be he would draw probably an equal amount of blood from both sides in, in, in that arrangement Paul what do you think
4: Yeah, I would say if the messaging doesn't change from where it currently is, he would probably take more from the right. But to your point, if he put a lot of emphasis on student loan debt relief, if he really leaned into his experience as an environmental lawyer and made climate a big issue, then absolutely, I, I could see them damaging both sides pretty equally.
1: You guys have any thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, the part about the climate thing. I hadn't I mean, even you, thought about you don't, that. You yeah. don't like that Because I'm to a right that. winger, so yeah, I hadn't you even thought about you it. You don't like to hear that <laughs> if you're a right winger, but it is serious in the younger <laughs> yeah, generations yeah. that that
1: issue yeah. is very serious. Yes.
2: My difference there is like, I, I, I think they are uncertain about which way it would go. I'm actually certain that what Paul said about from the left... What won't happen? The, the magical power of vaccines do not like it. Hey, we're going to they're they're ramping that up. Those people aren't suddenly going to go with the guy who says this thing was a scam. That's in reality. It's not going to happen. But they don't understand that on that side.
1: Hmm. What if what if he does that now you bring up another angle? What if he does that, though? But that's parlayed again to a message to the youth. Like one of the things the that I think vaccine, one, one of it? the things I think that, that DeSantis has some issue with going after the jab in Iowa is yes we were not a lockdown state and so any any anti lockdown rhetoric will be very favorable but how many how many the median age of an Iowa caucus voter is like 59 how many of those people do you think took took the jabs two or three times at because they were old and scared right away you see what i'm trying to yeah. say what now you could see RFK Jr if the whole thing was packaged and, and, and he messaged that to the youth, uh, youth and said, hey, why are we seeing so many cancers amongst 25-year-olds? Why are we seeing so much excess debt amongst, um, amongst the youth? Couple that with climate change, couple that with, uh, with uh, student loan debt. And now I start to think maybe you could maybe take enough youth vote away that might, maybe that would cost the Democrats the general election if, if the vaccine was, pa- part, was packaged as that, rather than just a generic big pharma message.
2: Well, along with that, you'd have to get whatever Democrat to basically get mushy and vanilla and not be a super lib, which isn't going to happen no matter who it is. I just don't see it happening.
1: Okay. Paul, what about you? Really quick to what I just said. Yeah.
4: I mean, I think you made some valid points. Uh, It just depends on priorities and messaging, but I, I believe there is a lane for him to take away a significant portion of, of the left. There are a lot of activists and commentators on, on the left who really do not want to vote for Joe Biden and who honestly aren't, you know, blinded with rage towards Donald Trump, some of them who liked his foreign policy, even though they wouldn't have voted for him. Um, there are some areas of common ground on the populist side of the left that I think could be tapped into by someone like RFK Jr.
1: Like, I got to think Bill Maher's already audience is voting for RFK Jr. as a third-party right. candidate in that election. That's kind of who you're talking about, right? Okay. Yep. yep. Exit question. Should RFK Jr. have just run as an independent candidate all along? Todd?
2: No. No.
1: Do you think he would have just been ignored all the more? That's what his people have told me. I've asked them this, and they, they told me they would have been ignored all along the if they would have done that. So you you agree with that, basically?
2: Well, he's still a guy named Kennedy. I, don't, I, I think not giving the Democrat Party a chance to... I, that was never gonna be even a okay. Alright, so there's no. a
1: there's a legacy there. I hear yeah. you. Okay. Aaron. <sighs>
3: no. I wanna say yes, but I, I think Todd's probably correct. I'm okay. sorry, I think you're probably correct that they would have just ignored him.
1: All right. What do you think, Paul?
4: Three for three, I agree. He wouldn't have gotten nearly the amount of media coverage if he wasn't running as a Democrat challenging Joe Biden.
1: I was good at I, I've gotten a couple of notes, by the way, Paul. One guy said, I, it still disappoints me that, that Paul is in favor of the destruction of America, but since I found out he's a big golf fan, as much as I am, I'm going to let that slide. I thought you'd. Wow. That <laughs> Thank you.. <Wow. laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Yay, you know, sports are strange bedfellows. All yeah. right, Issue yeah. four, kicker topic. What is your favorite cosmic irony projection? For example. All right. Donald Trump was compromised by tapes with Russian hookers at the same time. Uh, Hunter Biden was actually comp- cataloging his excursions uh, with Russian hookers on his phone that could be used as actual blackmail material. That that's what I mean by a cosmic projection, cosmic levels of irony. That's thing what I mean with
3: the uh, literal Hitler. Uh, I'm sorry, yes. And then Canada actually Nazi. literally had a Nazi
1: <laughs> speak at its legislature yeah. or parliament. Yes. All right. Uh, so, Aaron, I'll start with you. What's your favorite? I
3: couldn't get enough of that story. Um, Trudeau the, calling the truckers. The Canadian Nazi Yeah, the, yeah. The, the Nazis, and then he gets around, he comes back and uh, gives a standing ovation for an actual Nazi. Mm-hmm. But I have to go with this. This is my all-time favorite photograph. I like this photograph probably more than pictures of my family. I <laughs> like this photograph more than pictures of my favorite place on Earth, which, which is the Grand Canyon. For those of you listening, this is a frozen-over wind turbine, turbine that is being de-iced. That's propylene glycol, by the way, which is a derivative of natural gas.
1: Yeah, by a chemical
3: being yeah. He- yeah. heated up, which you know causes, which which is <laughs> which which requires what combustion?
1: Yes, and yeah. it's
3: being uh, deployed. <laughs> By a helicopter, which is what? Using CO2. CO2 yeah, yeah. burning gas. That's, That's my all-time favorite photograph. Does
1: anybody even want to try to top that? Does anybody even want to try to top I that? I don't have visuals. No, they Paul, go ahead.
4: I bet I've never seen that. That is quite a powerful argument against some of that agenda. Um, much like former congressman and mega loyalist Madison Cawthorn publicly espoused strong Christian conservative values but was later found out to have taken photos wearing a dress, driving with a suspended license, lying about his college acceptance and facing credible accusations of insider trading and sexual assaults. It appears our beloved Lauren Boebert is now following in his footsteps, loudly opposing the sexualization of our youth, but then publicly fondling the genitals of her date at a family theater mm-hmm. with children oh, yeah. all throughout the audience.
1: Yeah, I
4: suspect she will meet a similar fate. As her former colleague, Madison Cawthorn, and be voted out of office
1: next November. Uh, you you, you are probably right place. about that. I mean, she barely won the last time, by like hundreds of votes. So 600 votes. Yeah. All right, let's get to predictions quickly. Aaron, go.
3: California Governor Gavin Newsom will not, will not appoint Kamala Harris to fill Dianne Feinstein's vacancies. He will instead appoint either a Republican or an Independent.
1: Fascinating. Making
3: a move... I'm the centrist here. Of course, uh, the average California Republican is probably a liberal Democrat, so it's it's not it's, it's not like he's going right, to give right. Republicans the yeah. I mean,
1: advantage he's a Democrat so. in Mississippi, basically. Yes, yes. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, Todd. In
2: one of the most pathetic indignities in all of American political history. Mike, now that
1: is saying something.
2: Mike Pence will drop out of the presidential race in the next month and reendorse Donald Trump. Oh, oh. yes. Oh,
1: oh, gosh. Yes. 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 Hopefully that's from fun. his knees. Paul, go ahead.
4: That's a tough one. That's yeah, good.
1: That's tough to follow. Uh, yeah.
4: Aaron, what if he appointed RFK Jr.? That'll never happen in a million years, but That'd the be optics cool. of that would be, yeah. would be interesting. Uh, DeSantis wins Iowa, Haley wins New Hampshire and South Carolina. Trump goes over three in the first three States.
1: Wow. I don't, I think if Haley wins New Hampshire, that is possible. I do. Um, I wouldn't bet on it, but I don't think it's crazy. Actually, I might bet on it. The odds are really nuts. It's good value on, a, on that bet. Actually, uh, polls in Iowa over the next, over the month of October will narrow enough that Trump will show up for the third debate in miami on november 8th that's my prediction it's not far from where he lives and they they don't really have an on-the-ground organization of any merit in iowa so they're kind of just going by what the public perception and the polls are And i think the public polling in iowa in october will narrow enough that trump will show up for the third debate in miami on november 8th paul good to see you as always man thank you
4: likewise good to see you guys
1: all right, we'll come back, and it'll be your turn with Feedback Friday here in just a few moments. Stay tuned. All right, back here with Hour 2 on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre, all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox by emailing us, Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe and Gab. Follow me at Steve Show on Twitter, Gitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can find me as well on Truth Social at Real Steve Dace there. If you listen to the podcast version of the show, thank you so much for that. You're a large part of our audience. Please, if you wouldn't mind, uh, leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Hit subscribe or follow if you're on iTunes to make sure that every new episode we do ends up in your feed every time we do it. And thanks again to all of you that have done that for us as well. Thanks as well to our friends over at Patriot Mobile for sponsoring this part of the program. For a decade now, they have been one of the leaders in building America's parallel economy. They are really America's last American mobile phone company remaining. And if you want to make the switch today they make it as easy and seamless as they absolutely can they offer you all kinds of incentives to make the switch for example if you're a veteran or first responder they've got even more of those incentives as a way of saying thank you for your service to the country for the rest of us you can get a free activation with the offer code steve today when you go to patriotmobilecom steve and, and just, again, some of the things they offer if you move to a different part of your city, state, a different part of the country, and another another network would work better uh, for you and your phone. Make that switch anytime for free. Just one of the benefits you get for being a member of Patriot Mobile. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. All right, are we ready for some feedback Friday? Let's go. No. All right, let's start with Melissa. She says, i had a cold and sore throat the other evening. After a long day at work, I decided I deserved a little treat. And so I pulled into Wendy's for a Frosty. I pull up and order a vanilla Frosty. But the drive-thru says, we're sorry. All we have are the pumpkin spice Frosties tonight. <sighs> If you weren't aware yet that this was a thing, Steve, I promise you need to be holy smokes. It's so good. You would drink one out of Lindsey Graham's navel.
2: I went from bad to worse. I had this. (laughs) Oh.
3: Should I just shut his microphone off at this point? I have a gun. Yeah, that's true.
1: I don't know that anything is good enough to be drank out of, even as much as I love the pumpkin spice eggnog from A.E. Dairy, which I think is one of the top five drinks on planet Earth. Seriously, one of the best things I've ever drank in my life. Pumpkin spice eggnog from A.E. Dairy is incredible. I mean, it's it's nectar of the gods. I mean, straight up, one of the apostles will be refilling your glass at the marriage supper of the Lamb with pumpkin spice eggnog from A.E. Dairy. That is how good that stuff is. Straight up. But I don't even think I could drink that out of Lindsey Graham's navel. I just. In fact.
2: I love how you're not even dismissing it out of hand, though.
1: (laughs) You're pondering. No, here's what I'm pondering. I am pondering. You're right. Here's what I'm pondering. For years on this show. And of course, I haven't I haven't proclaimed it because it's just self-evident truth at this point. But for years on this show, the official position of this program has been pumpkin spice all the things. But if we are now talking about pumpkin spicing Lindsey Graham's navel. Hey. I've had people send me pumpkin spice brake pads. I've had people send me pumpkin spice motor oil. I have had people sp- send me pumpkin spice baloney. And I have, I have assented to all because again, pumpkin spice all the things, but there has been an effort among some of the heretics in this audience and you know who you are. And frankly, sometimes you receive dog whistles from these two employees I have here with you, with me on the stage where this is concerned. There has been a significant effort among the heretics in this audience to find what is it we could pumpkin spice that would once and for all cause me to say, I'm out. <laughs> Do it, Todd. I wish we had a hidden camera.
2: I look over. When I, when I look this way, I'm looking right at Aaron, and he's behind two computer screens and he's kind of got he leans over in his chair and he goes
1: <laughs> <laughs> shoot him
2: you just don't if, value if, the lesson of sowing and reaping Steve you if, just if don't we value. are
1: if we are now pumpkin spicing Lindsey Graham's navel I, I think I think I'm out guys that and I'm Think that's a, I think that's a pumpkin spice maybe I'm not even willing to explore. But you know what, though? I just... You can't pumpkin spice Lindsey Graham's navel. I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain You're why. You're to Kobayashi Maru it. I, I am right now. Right now. We are, we, are going to, we are going to exegete this right now. This is, a, this is a core creed of this show. So we are going to rightly divide this creed right now. We're going to exegete it right now. Pumpkin spice is its genesis is in the subculture known as plain white woman. (laughs) Aaron. (laughs) For those of you on the podcast who can't see this, Aaron has to try to get me to stop has gone to my favorite video of all my, well, one of my two favorite videos, uh, this and the jihadi who gets blown up during his propaganda, literally, but, uh, the Cambodian smoking toddler, which is absolutely one of the greatest videos of all time. When he, the way he Humphrey Bogarts, that cancer stick man, it is, that is some phenomenal, phenomenal craftsmanship, incredible handiwork, incredible. I I've tried,
3: been, I tried America.
1: But here's the thing. The origins of pumpkin spice are from plain white girl America. Therefore, it is impossible to pumpkin spice Lindsey Graham's navel. Because if there's anything, if there's anything Lindsey Graham won't allow anywhere near his navel, it's a girl. So, no, you didn't Kobayashi Marumi. No, you didn't corner me. I cornered you. You attempted to engage in a clear, heretical line of thinking, and I apostolically have corrected you. It is not possible to pumpkin spice Lindsey Graham's navel. It just can't happen. Because Pumpkin Spice comes out of plain white girl subculture. And if there's anything Lindsey Graham will not allow anywhere near his navel, it is a girl of any kind. Todd, your thoughts?
2: To say that, everybody just understand. He had to lean into his identity as a plain white girl more than... That was like a scene from, like, Mean Girls where the girl goes, you don't know...
1: Yes. As long as you're clear about that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I've kind of had a fondness for white girls for many, many a year. So I could certainly lean in for sure. And now, whether I just violated the dude code and how I defended Mother. the, <laughs> the Creta pumpkin spice, we'll just have to determine that on another day. Christine Pastino from Del Mar, New York. This one you'll like better. I promise. Who wrote the last one? Melissa. Melissa Melissa never write
2: the show again. (laughs) Ever. You are banished forthwith.
1: You've been excommunicated, Melissa, from the inbox. Christina Pastino in Del Mar, New York, wrote a note that you, Todd, will like a lot more. Okay. She says, I'm a huge fan to your show, been listening for over a year. And I was listening the other day when I heard you mention a book movie called Joshua. You had mentioned it was written by a retired priest, and I happen to know that priest. His name is Joseph Gerzone. And unfortunately, he has passed away, but he was my parish priest when I was little. Wow. And he wrote that book and many others, hoping to change and convert the world. Our church, Our Lady of Mount Carmel, is located in Amsterdam, New York. The characters in the book Joshua are people who lived and worked in my neighborhood, and Father Gerzon just changed their names. It's a little Italian neighborhood on the south side of Amsterdam, New York. This book is incredible, and I was so happy and shocked to hear you speak about it. May God bless you guys and keep you guys safe. I love what you're doing. And please help that you, Please know that you're helping souls like me to stay strong and close to the Lord. P.S. Yesterday's rant or offering from Todd was riveting. And as a fellow Catholic, please help, tell him to keep fighting. I thought you'd like that one. Just better.
2: doing my part, sister. And, and uh, all things pumpkin spice notwithstanding, um, he's the guy who blesses me to be able to do it every single day. So I'm grateful.
1: Thank you, Todd. But all things are not pumpkin spice, withstanding. Pumpkin spice is in all things. I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, I go to a a small Catholic and very conservative liberal arts college, the University of Dallas. You ever heard of this place? Oh, yes. It's It's like one of the... OGs of... This is you, like the Hillsdale you, for trad Catholics, basically? If
2: you're the real, real deal right. across the nation, this is one of the top five you're considering.
1: Like, you have to you have to have a parchment copy of, of St. Jerome's Latin Vulgate to even get admitted into this place, is what you're telling me? Perhaps. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he says, I was asked to give a talk to a group of students from all classes on a topic of my choosing. I want to give a talk about the moral imperative to care about politics. About 80% of the student body is conservative, and many are studying political theory. It's one of our most popular majors. However, there remains a pervasive disinterest in practical politics. We are in such a strong bubble that students don't understand the dim reality outside of our campus limits. People hate the idea of taking labels like conservative or Republican. Many of my peers are devout, intelligent, and virtuous, but they are content living a private life of virtue and prayer. So like a self-enforced monasticism is what he's describing, basically. They lack either the courage to fight or know how to resist the left on their battlefield basically everywhere but this campus. Many deny the stark difference between today's left and the liberals of 20 years ago. There's a tendency to want to treat today's political opponents as if they are interested in getting along with us, when they are obviously not. Though we all oppose uh, baby killing and and gender mutilation, many of my classmates aren't doing anything about it. I'm sure many vote, but the majority are so disgusted with the whole political process, and believe me, I hear them on that, that they decide not to be engaged. I've always loved St. Augustine's quote, pray as though everything depended on God, work as though everything depended on you. I won't pretend to know God's plan, but I'm guessing he won't be inclined to jump in and save our country if we aren't willing to fight for it ourselves. Do you have any advice for how to convince my peers that we must care about the political arena? That is from Luke Posgate. I'm going to give you the first crack at Luke then. Go ahead. Todd.
2: Uh, I here even amongst, and we talked about it uh, during COVID in many ways, like Steve has been talking about the slippery slope where it goes more than any political commentator pound for pound on the right and he's been doing it since he was a f- relatively uh young man i mean around 30 years old and a new christian he was given eyes to see about you know you you can't just keep living like this there's going to be consequences the power of that is such that even now amongst orthodox christians after everything we've seen on covid gender there is just if you're going to the dallas the university of dallas you, i i think odds are i can you've had a pretty comfortable life that thing isn't cheap all right you've been academically you've done well you got a lot of gold stars on your resume but i i there's i don't think we understand how much the devil uses comfort in all of our lives to keep us like that it's bad but i can i cannot get involved because com- sooner or later this thing turns around that's an addictive drug hmm. it really is i would spend less time talking about politics but about that getting them to wake up like this thing is going to go like this keep talking about that and try to get them because i bet more than often they just think that they they see their future and most of the time they just see it exactly like the life they had the house the cars the family i i don't see that all the time i mean i have that but i i can't see right now my own children's future being the same i know steve agrees with me Mm -hmm. on that that scares that, that which is why we fight a lot of Catholics and Orthodox Christians are just kind of on cruise control and they don't understand how deeply they are.
1: Well said. Let me add that and reiterate something that I think is very paramount for us to be reminded of and to remind each other of consistently in the era of, in which we live. We can turn anything into an idol. Anything. We can turn anything into an idol. Too many Christians in the, in the last generation turned politics into an idol. GOP meant God's Own Party. I will compromise my beliefs and values um, to vote for whomever Fox News or whomever I've, I follow tells me is the most electable, even if they are completely anathema to my belief system. I'll I'll retcon their views as uh, I'll I'll turn I'll turn Mitt Romney into Saint Augustine. Uh, whatever it takes to justify and contort myself, and 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 that has made the process even dirtier. It's always it's going to be a dirty process. Period, because every process east of eden is dirty every process is dirty every process is dirty all right we are east of eden here so we live in all creation groans we're sinners okay and and so there's there's nothing there's you know human nature not human worth that's separate human nature is like a new car it depreciates in value the minute you drive it drive it off the lot Once human hands touch anything, it begins to depreciate in value. We can't help ourselves. That's just the nature of sin in the world. But our unwillingness to admit this and act as if we had some sort of abracadabra or we had cracked the code or we had found some kind of back door of Pandora's box where we could do when in Rome do like the Romans and and throw Bible verses on it and it was going to work just made the the system even dirtier and, and even worse than it already was. So I, I understand the inclination, Luke, of your classmates to not want to follow in that generation's footsteps, but here's, here's the thing they have to be careful of. They can turn their piety into an idol. Yep. I mean, if, if, if you now decide that I will not... Act on the dominion God has given me. And by the way, that that doesn't mean that can mean different things. It could. I mean, for some people, it might mean you vote for somebody different. You write in a third party candidate. I, I don't I'm, I'm not I'm not here to tell you exactly what engagement means And within 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 that box, I think there is a lot, there is certainly, particularly as this thing continues to break down societally, there will be a lot of room for discussion of what that means. Okay? Yeah. It could simply mean, I'm going to just be involved on a local level uh, where, I have, where I can most have the greatest impact, and that's where I'm going to focus my efforts because I think Washington's a lost cause, and at this yeah. point there's no point in linking my testimony to any of these politicians because it just drives people away from the core message of the gospel. So I'm going to focus on my city council, my school. I, I don't know. Right. I, I'm just saying there's, there's going to be a lot of different ways to crack this nut moving forward. Yep. Okay? But the idea, though, that we don't have to try to crack the nut at all that's where you're now turning, you know, your piety into idolatry. You are, you are now risking the, the end of the parable of the talents. Well, Master, I knew that you were a wicked and difficult taskmaster, and, and, I, and I wasn't sure how to take what you gave me without right. making it worse or disappointing you or sullying you, and I feared your backlash, and I didn't understand that mercy triumphs over judgment, so I did nothing. I just buried it. And... The master looks at that servant and says, you depart from me, you're a wicked and vile servant into the den of iniquity. So this is not a passive faith. From the beginning, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay claim in, lay claim of it, lay hold of it. This is not a passive endeavor. It's not always a practical one though either. And that, that's the idolatry that the previous generation engaged in. Well I I have to take part in the human process. I have to. Why? there's human processes can there's, there's never a moment that human processes become so corrupt that we're like, we're going to create our own process here. Isn't that, I mean, where did hospitals come from? Orphanages come from? Mm -hmm. These are all things that throughout the eons, the church created because the current system was so corrupt. There was no point in taking part of it. Correct. Mm -hmm. So we created new systems. We didn't, we didn't like vacate the space. We made a new space. What, What you're describing your peer group wanting to do is to vacate the space. Well now now if the if the older generation turned practicality into an idol, your generation, what you're describing, Luke, is turning piety into one. That by that, that I am good from not getting my hands dirty at all. I don't know, the Lord's hands were pretty dirty on that cross. Lord hands got pretty dirty carrying that cross to Golgotha. Lord's hands are pretty dirty while he got tortured to, to, you know, beyond recognition before he even picked the cross up. Hands got pretty dirty. Hands got pretty dirty when he put him in the dirt and he rubbed it on people's maladies and he healed them of them. Hands got pretty dirty.
2: It wasn't comfortable.
1: Exactly. It doesn't mean you have to engage the same paradigm that previous generations failed at. It doesn't mean that. But the idea that you don't have to engage at all you're not better than them you're making the same mistake that they are you're turning cultural engagement into an idol it's just instead of pr- instead of practically taking part as an idol to the point that there is nothing the world system could offer us up that we would say no to nothing no- nothing there's no level of anathema that we would ever say we're out now we're saying there's no amount of good we could do in, or any way we could possibly do it that we're in. No, that's not better. It's, that's not better than what you saw from the generation you don't want to follow in the footsteps of. It's just different. It's just a different form of idolatry. The, 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 uh, the wide road and the, I'm not even going to get on the road. Are the same thing it's the narrow road we may look different may not be the other generation's paradigm maybe i'm just not going to engage with republicans and democrats at all maybe i'm going to work on i'm just going to focus on local issues and those kinds of things where i can engage people one-on-one humanly and okay cool you'll get no uh, fine you know but the idea of i'm going to take my light and just bury it under a bushel because the room is too dark the Lord knows it's dark, dude. That's why you have the light. You want to add anything to that?
2: Uh, I loved it. You even understood it. They didn't vacate the space. They made a new space. Not only did they make new spaces, they made some of the best damn spaces ever exactly. in the history of yeah. uh, mankind. I really, I think a lot of these Christians, they don't under this. In this case, these Catholics, I, th- I think they are. Are the equivalent of anonymous, like Twitter, Twitter bot trolls, who like are talking about. They actually they say out loud, nobody's really brave but me. You're anonymous. You're right. You 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 right. have a light. You are commanded to shine it there. All right. There may be eras where they that can be less political, more political, um, but I, I don't like, folks. The, the the political sphere right now is one of the greatest idols. That needs to be changed. You don't change it by ignoring it.
1: Yeah, it's, we have, we're, what we're doing with the political sphere is very similar to what C.S. Lewis talked about when it comes to the question of the devil at the beginning of the screw yep. Tape Letters, all right? The complete either ignoring of it yeah. or the complete obsession over it. Yeah. And and we're doing the same thing with the political arena. We're we're acting as if there's no amount of engagement we could do that would really make a difference. So I'm going to do nothing because that also, by the way, helps me to stay comfortable. Or we're acting as if that that that's an article of faith that we must do it. That no matter how dirty it gets, no matter how terrible the people the world system offers us, there's nobody we'd ever say no to. There's no there's no there's no part of the system we would not take part in. Um, and, and because we'll offer more mercy and grace to politicians than we ever would our own children our own families or our loved ones you know we will cut them off before we'll cut the political system off both of these things are idolatry
2: for example steve you talk regularly what is the biggest one of the biggest we're talking about the university of dallas what is one of the biggest and the most important uh and most and most decisive political constituencies year year to year to year Pro-lifers. Hit the Catholic vote.
1: Or, or the Catholic well, vote. I didn't mean- yeah. That's decided since since Roe v. Wade, yeah. except for the, the, the Bush election, the first time in over 100 years somebody won an election without winning a popular vote. The Catholic vote has determined every presidential election since 1974.
2: And that usually... Or 1976. You know, it's usually 50-50-ish, somewhere between... 40- hmm you don't, again, this doesn't have to suddenly change it to 80% of Catholics voting anything. You change the margins just this much in this cult, mm-hmm. in this election, you change the culture. Mm-hmm. That's why it's, these people don't understand there, to your point, how much power they have if they dig in a little. It's, the revolution happens if just 5% start thinking differently, not 50%. Mm-hmm. That's how much power you have, ignoring it is sad and pathetic and quite for, and, and unbiblical. Look how much you can change the world for good and true and beautiful things. If you change your mindset to say, I, I don't need to be some grand political revolutionary.
1: Mm-hmm. I just need to be faithful. Mm-hmm. That, that's the thing right there. I just need to be faithful. And sometimes that means I just stand up and I tell the truth regardless of what the outcome yeah. is. Sometimes that means I get directly involved in what the outcome needs to be. But in, in either case, what's the motivation? Is the motivation faithfulness or not? What, what, Luke, what you're describing is your classmates now believe that if the previous generation just even abandoned, even attempting to be faithful to anything other than my political party, you're claiming your generation thinks that they can't possibly be faithful. Well, this is why at the end of the parable of the talents, the Lord rejects the servant. Because the servant didn't act in faith in the goodness and sovereignty of the master. He thought the master is not sovereign. The master could not be pleased. I could not be faithful. And, I, and, I, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, and I'm a different kind of fearful. I'm a, cowering, I'm a cowering fearful. Because the way you cower in front of an abusive father... Not the kind of fearful of when your mother looks at you and says, wait till daddy gets home. Cause then you know what time it is, but the kind that there's just no pleasing this father. I couldn't possibly do it. So I won't try that. That's the act of an ingrate actually. That's, that's not even, and that's why you turn piety into an idol. What you are describing as a generation as piety is really you're an ingrate. You are assuming that, that God could not be, exalted or properly pleased and served in this arena. So you're not going to even try. And unless you can get the outcome you want,
2: that's not how this works. I agree.
1: Yeah. That's, there's no faith in that. If you knew what the outcome was, what would be the, then what's the point of faith? And it, by the way, the Bible says it's impossible. Please God without what faith kind of smart. Uh, It's kind of important faith is basically the currency of the kingdom of God. It's it's the cash It's the it's the monetary system of the kingdom of God is faith. That's what it is
3: You know on Friday sometimes you ask Todd and I for final thoughts and I used to do this a lot I I used to say don't end up in a ditch I believe that began on a on a wintry day when when the road conditions weren't weren't good but generally speaking in life if you end up in a ditch something bad has happened Something bad has happened. You've gone off the road. Literally. We do this spiritually as well, and this is what this entire conversation that we've had for the last 10 minutes is all about. I think this plays out, actually, I think a great example of this. This plays out in the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh, yeah. There are churches and pastors within that that convention that are so far in the fray, they become buried by it. Yep. There's other elements. Donald like Trump the, might as well eth-
1: be the pope of their of of their wing of the, the Baptist. There's Convention. other
3: elements yeah. like Russell Moore, he's not with the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission uh, anymore, who are so far above the fray. Yeah. They can't see it because Excellent. they're in the, they're, they're in the clouds. Yep. Meanwhile, they watch a Catholic and wa- Matt Walsh accomplish more than they ever have. Matt Walsh has been been a resident
1: of Tennessee for like a year. He has done more to defend against gender mutilation than than every speck of the buckle of the Bible belt had done up until he moved into the city of Nashville.
3: Yes. And so and I'm talking about the the judge ruling and upholding uh, Tennessee's law, banning that practice in that state. That was basically single handedly Matt Walsh and other elements at the Daily Wire. They did that. This is what we're talking about here. You are either so far in the fray, you get buried by it, or so far above the fray, you can't see it because your head's in the clouds. Meanwhile, there are very few who are actually staying on the road. It's, again, it's, it's not an easy thing. That's why there it's are called very a narrow few, road. There, but there are very few things in life that are worth doing, mm-hmm. that are righteous, that uphold good, true, and beautiful things that are easy.
1: Amen yes this is not easy yes it is hard that's why it's called a narrow road hard to stay on a narrow road there's plenty of times plenty of times i'm like man we're doing this again how many times have i said the last few weeks this is the same show i've always done but you know what did i stop doing the show no no i came in and i finished the show didn't i and then the the next day i did the show again if i had to didn't i finish the race finish the race but first you got to get in the race. Yes. Make sure you're prepped just in case. Oh, man, that could never happen here. Come on, Steve. Happens here yet again. Get hold of our friends over at My Patriot Supply because a wise man once said it is better to have it and not need it than need it and then not have it. Get My Patriot Supply, the nation's leader in emergency food storage. Get their three-month emergency food kit for 25% off right now when you go to preparewithdace.com. What does that entail? Breakfast, lunch, dinner, Each day, even drinks and snacks, the full complement of the 2,000-plus calories of nutrition you need every day. Uh, Also, 16 different types of meals and sides so you can mix and match for variety. Stays good for up to 25 years with a proper shelf life as well. Free shipping. That's an automatic when you go to preparewithdace.com. So get your orders there fast just to have that peace of mind. Just in case, oh, that could never happen here, happens here again. Preparewithdace.com is where you want to go for 25% off. Preparewithdace.com. All right. Let's get back to Feedback Friday. This is from Lawrence, who says, I assume... You guys addressed the PSYOP poll on the show this week. I think they're talking about the uh, poll from ABC News, Washington Post. Yep. That had Biden only winning non-minority voters by nine points. He won them by 36. Had him losing the youth vote by 15 when he won it by 19. And that is how they came to the conclusion that if the election were today, Donald Trump would win by 10 points, right? That poll. We did talk about it on Monday. Yes, we did. He says, I want to give you a little um, anecdotal data point I found interesting. I spent the weekend in Western Virginia and West Virginia. Coal country, railroads, timber, and farms, and an area so remote it was 45 minutes between Dollar General stores. And that's a big deal in the South. Okay, I'll take your word for it. This should be the heart of Trump country. Not a single flag, not a single sign, not a single bumper sticker. A year after the 2020 election, people still had Trump 2020 flags flying. They are all gone now. Does this have any meaning? I don't know. I see people posting on Twitter about how much Trump energy there is out there, but I don't see it in the real world. And I live in the South. Same thing is in Iowa. You drive around rural areas. I know, you know, you go through some of those areas quite a bit going back and forth yeah. to see your kids yeah. perform athletically. I mean, you know, you couldn't go 10 miles in Iowa for the last five, you know, seven years without seeing a barn painted with a Trump logo or a, a, a massive Trump thing on a bar. You don't see any of that stuff anymore. Do you see that stuff?
2: But not to the volume. I have seen a little bit, but I, I think it, not, nothing that diminishes this point that is being made here.
1: Now, let me make sure I'm being fair here. You're not going to see a bunch of places in Iowa littered with DeSantis signs either. You're, you're, in fact, yeah. you see nothing. You know, my, and I, you know, I said this to somebody on the DeSantis campaign yesterday. I, I, I oversaw the precinct organization for my precinct in my suburban County for Ted Cruz in 2016 for obvious reasons. Okay. And very politically active precinct. We had one of the higher turnout caucus sites in the state in my precinct. Right now. There are three signs I have seen driving around my precinct. Two DeSanta signs and one of them's mine and one Vivek sign. That's it. That's all I've seen. And that's why that's why when Chris Wilson came on here yesterday and said he thinks there's gonna be over two hundred thousand people in the caucuses, it blew my mind. Blew you probably saw the look on my face when he said that. Now, I argued with Chris. He was kind. He goes, I don't think you thought I, you doubted me. And well, yeah, I admitted. Yeah, I did. I, I argued with him and, and we talked about that on the show back in the day. I didn't believe the public polls that showed we we're going to have this record high turnout. Right. I didn't. I just didn't believe it. But that energy level was way higher than what I'm seeing right now. Now, here is something I should mention. I, I, I told someone who's um, very well connected in Iowa politics. I told them yesterday what Chris Wilson had said, that he was expecting north of 210,000. And I said, man, I just don't see it. And this person said to me, I, I think I believe it. And so I was stunned because this person also agrees with me. This is the least amount of energy that we're seeing right now. This, at this point in the process. So I asked him, I, I asked him to reconcile those things. And here's what he told me. I did I, something I didn't know. Uh, that... Prior to Trump essentially picking a fight with her and basically begging her to come in and oppose him in the caucuses, which I think will eventually happen. I wouldn't have said that a couple of months ago. I would have said, I don't think the governor will get in. And now I will be surprised if by December she does not. I was told by this person that prior to that, the governor and her political team were actually working very hard on the ground with Republican uh, organizations that she wanted to have an all-time record turnout and really have Iowa really show out, show out and show off. And that their goal was actually get 250,000 to vote. And that's what she was kind of hoping to do. And it was, they kind of had this kind of quiet campaign under the radar of really working hard on getting Republicans registered, getting Republicans who don't, you know, typically vote in the caucus, and even if Chris Wilson is right, that would still only be like thirty-one percent GOP turnout because there's like six hundred and eighty thousand Republicans right now. And so, now that I hear that, it makes a little more sense that if Governor Reynolds and her team had been on the ground, you know, for six seven months, you know, with her organization and 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 her cachet as a governor working to really increase caucus participata- participation and turnout. That's something I didn't know when Chris Wilson mentioned that to me yesterday. I So maybe. We didn't even have time to get you guys' reactions when Chris Wilson said this yesterday. What did you think when he said it?
2: Well, as it relates t- to the letter, I do think there's a, a possibility that the exact same rabidness that caused a lot of people to put Trump stuff everywhere is the exact same reason why they don't now. Because back then, it was still visible, primetime, Trump, uh, NBC guy, Hollywood, you know, before COVID. Now that they've, they've seen the links, both COVID, January, Ah, uh, six—the way the way the FBI has gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they're
2: just yeah. as rabid about mm-hmm. Trump, but now they they've just gone underground because they they Trump is such enemy number one, and thus we're also enemy number one. So we have to be more clandestine. I I believe that's possible on some level. I
1: just don't know how much. Now there's there's some belief that that works the other way. That's right. that, that, that people think that they're so, they're so tired of being bullied by that kind of Trump zealot that they're also now being quiet about supporting somebody other than Trump. There's, I've, I've heard theories as to why things are quiet on the ground going in both of the mm-hmm. directions I there. I hear you. Aaron.
3: I've had that thought as well, Todd. I, when I heard Chris Wilson say that, I, I, I did not buy it now he nailed the 2016 iowa caucuses mm-hmm. so i think he deserves some benefit of the doubt probably a huge benefit of the doubt and i also encourage people to follow wpa intelligence on twitter really great follow breaking down and debunking some of these trash polls i predicted on the Dace group two or three weeks ago that i thought it would be one of the lowest turnout iowa caucuses and one of the highest turnout new hampshire primaries And the reason why I made that prediction is I still think that there is this element. And if it hangs on until late December, middle of December, early January, that Trump is inevitable, that will depress his turnout greatly in Iowa. Because people just think, oh, he's inevitable. I don't even need to necessarily show up for him. I don't know. I don't know how. um, I'm not sure about that logic necessarily I'm not sure if that actually translates but I just think I'm just trying to analyze human nature that's all it's like you're being told for a year that Trump is inevitable even if you're one of his biggest fans or even somewhere below zealot you think, well, you know, son's got a basketball game that night, or uh, grandkids got a ballet uh, recital that night, and so you know he's probably going to win anyway. So I can probably dump uh, junk, you know, dump out on the caucuses. That's what I was trying to get at. Mm. And then after Trump loses, and maybe loses in uh, surprising fashion, the alarm bells will ring in New Hampshire and South Carolina that hey, this is this is actually a race. So. I, I would, I'm fascinated to see. I know your prediction today was the polls will tighten in October or, uh, or Titan-ish. soon. Tighten-ish. Tighten-ish uh, enough. Yeah. So all, all, I, this entire primary, the entire narrative over it, as you all know, is the aura of Trump's inevitability. That can cut both ways, I think, especially in Iowa. So I'll just leave it at that.
1: Samaritan Ministries wants to make sure you're not limited by restrictive networks when it comes to choosing the health care providers and treatments that are right for you. They want you to know there is another way and Samaritan Ministries connects hundreds of thousands of Christians across the country who help pay one another's medical bills all without the use of insurance. So consider, maybe you have a medical emergency, unfortunately, arise, and you don't have to check, in this case, to see what hospital is in your network or be concerned about whether the ER doctor is being in network as well. Nope, just go to the hospital you choose. Don't give a second thought as to what's in network and what's not, because with Samaritan Ministries, you're in control of your own health care. And after receiving that care, send your medical bills to Samaritan Ministries, and they'll notify fellow members to pray for you and send money directly to you to help you pay those bills. And when another member has a medical need, you'll do the same for them. That's what biblical healthcare sharing looks like. So, if you are looking for an option that gives you total control of your healthcare, check it out today at SamaritanMinistries dot org slash Steve Dace. slash Steve Dace. Once again, SamaritanMinistries dot slash Steve Dace. Um, where do I want to go next? Looking at the time. Okay, let's end this with Ryan. I spent most of my teens and 20s as an avid atheist. I wasn't the typical foaming at the mouth one. I desperately sought proof that I was wrong while also trying to destroy the faith of others. Now 38, I've landed on agnostic. I hate the words atheist and agnostic. They've both been bastardized. Atheism means that one does not believe in theology. Agnostic means that one that's one without knowledge of such topics. I believe there is an omnipotent and omnipresent creator. I understand that faith is a choice and I want to have faith, but I struggle with it. I struggle with faith to the extent that I fear that God will eventually show me why and how I will find faith. I don't know why I'm telling you this other than your show has brought me closer to faith. Hmm. Well, first of all, Ryan, thank you for that. And the number one prime directive of our show is Receiving feedback like we just did from you. I mean, the biblical worldview is the prime directive of this program. So thank you for that feedback, brother. And you made our week. So absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate that. What I find fascinating is that you have based on the way you've worded this, I believe there is an omnipotent and omnipresent creator, but I struggle with faith. Picking up when I'm laying down there, or Ryan's laying down there. I think so. That faith and belief are two different things.
2: Well, he seems to be doing a... Mind emotion thing. I'm not like, right. is, is, I, is I, like, yeah, that's kind of what I want what to I'm, feel it. Yeah, yes. I want to, yeah. Well, I don't know. Mother Teresa had a lot of doubt.
1: I mean, I've mentioned this before. Arguably the greatest, uh, arguably the greatest Protestant preacher that ever lived, Charles Hayden Spurgeon, had deep bouts with depression. In fact, um, a little while ago on Feedback Friday, we mentioned a note from a woman in Delmar, New York, and name of her parish church is Our Lady of Mount Carmel. What's Mount Carmel? That is the location in, in Old Testament Israel when the great prophet Elijah uh, f- squared off against uh, Ahab and Jezebel and the, po- and the prophets of Baal to, to show the people of Israel and to remind them whom is truly God. And it is one of the great moments. It's, 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 like, it's like on your left Kind of a moment. All right. In the scriptures. It is. I mean, it's like a Rocky montage scene. I mean, that it's one of the greatest triumphant moments in the scriptures before Christ rolls a stone away and walks out of a tomb. But, you know, we often end the story there. That's not where that story ends. After this great moment and triumph that the Lord has given Elijah, arguably his greatest prophet. He finds out that Jezebel is not happy, puts a price on his head, and he runs away and he's depressed. So the first thing I want to say to Ryan and people like you is it is okay to be a human being. Relieve yourself of the pressure to, 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 to be up to God's standard. You're not. And he knows that. That's why he sent his son. So you're, you are wrestling with faith and that's, that's the first big win there. Your, your willingness to even wrestle with it, but belief and faith aren't different. Now you can have belief and faith in the wrong things, right? But I, It sounds to me like belief is something you've looked at the universe and just done the math and come to the conclusion there must be an omnipotent and omnipresent creator. There must be. Okay. Who came up with that math? did, did Did you devise that math? No, you discovered it. Which meant that math was already there. That formula was already embedded into the universe and into the cosmos. Faith is not just a feeling. I mean, you can you can feel just like with any relationship, where you have strong moments of intimacy and an emotional connection. But I don't know if you're married or not, Ryan. Even if you have the best of marriages, you don't feel that way towards the your spouse on a daily basis, every single day over the course of a lifetime. But yet, even when you're not feeling it, you don't walk away because you have the belief. Based on the evidence that has already been demonstrated that this relationship is meant to be. I, I would not conflate belief and faith. I know that you are, you've, you've, you've watched the church behave as if faith is an emotional decision, an emotional reaction. I feel bad about my sins. I answer an altar call. But then that's kind of the end of it. No. In fact, um, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. That is how the Bible defines faith. It does not say faith is the emotion you experience and the emotional in, emotionalism that moves you. doesn't the word emotion's not in there actually at all. Substance, evidence. The things that led you to believe there must be an omnipresent creator, are the same things that will lead you to the faith that you are desiring. I hope that helps. Thank you for the shows this week and for tuning in. Hope you have a great weekend. Until Monday, John 317.
2: This is Steve Dace.
0: On the Blaze Radio Network.